Hey brothers, welcome to Didactic Mind episode 116, Train of Consequences. Very, very happy new year to all of you listening in. A very warm welcome to all of the subscribers from the site. A very warm welcome to the Podbean listeners uh, and subscribers from that platform. And uh, may the peace and blessings of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you this year. Uh, I just want to wish you, all of you listening, a very, very happy year ahead in 2024. Uh, this was originally supposed to be the New Year's Day podcast, but uh, things you know, happened. Um, I was traveling, I was busy spending time with family and just didn't have an opportunity or frankly the motivation uh, to really record a podcast. And then last Sunday I came back home. I was straight back into work the next day. Well, actually last Saturday I came back home. Uh, had a day to recover from the jet lag and kind of get over everything. And then on Sundays, most people don't realize how much work and effort the Monday posts take up. It is enormously time-consuming. It takes three or four hours to put together each one uh, of really concerted effort. So Sunday was all about putting that together. And uh, then I had to be up quite early on Monday morning to kind of get to work. So I was straight back into it. I mean, it was like no break. Uh, This weekend is a little bit more easy. I don't have to go straight into... uh, to, shall we say, the client site uh, coming up. So I have a little bit more of an opportunity to kind of uh, record things and do things in a more relaxed and leisurely pace. I don't have to stick to a strict curfew, as it were. Um, be that as it may, the tradition around here is to start with the, uh, with the New Year's posts by pointing out some important milestones or some important statistics from the site. And the first thing I want to say is this is the 11th year of posting, writing that I have done. And that is astonishing to me. I never ever thought I would still be here 11 years after I initially started up the Didact's Reach Blogspot site. Uh, a lot of people insisted on calling me Didact's Reach at the time. Uh, no, it's just Didact. That's that's my nom de plume, as it were. I write under the name of Didact. Not Didact's Reach, not Didactic Mind, just Didact's Reach. But the fact that I'm still here 11 years later is amazing to me. I, I never thought that would happen. Never, ever, ever thought that would happen. Um, I started up Didact's Reach on the blogger platform because frankly it was either that or go crazy. I mean, I'm not joking about this. I started up a a blog basically because I had political opinions and opinions about economics, opinions about politics, geopolitics, philosophy that were unpalatable to the wider world. Couldn't discuss them with my parents, didn't have any friends nearby in the United States that I could talk about them with. Uh, with whom I could speak with, uh, with whom I could speak about these things. Yeah. Large parts of my family thought I was downright crazy for saying some of the things I, I believed in. And I just became more and more isolated. And it was either this or literally go nuts because I was getting into trouble at work at the time for my political opinions. And as it happened, 
eventually that may have had something to do with my second layoff, but it was either that, you know, start up a website on my own under a pseudonym and write and share my opinions out there, scream into the void if I had to, or go nuts. And so I started up a, uh, a website and, well, a blogger blog, as it were, at the time, and just started writing. And f- to my amazement, people started reading it, which really surprised me. I did not expect that. And here I am 11 years later, and not only has that website grown and flourished, but it's actually moved beyond Blogger into its own shared hosting platform. Didactic Mind is a much better, much cleaner, much nicer looking website. I can do with it whatever I want. The design is under my control, not under Blogger's control. The content is under my control. And I can branch out into other media, other forms of content if I want to. Uh, I can monetize the site, which I haven't really done fully. I mean, yeah, there are affiliate links across the site, but it's not really monetized. Although I'm going, I'm probably going to change that in the near future. Uh, There is a now a buy me a coffee link in the description box with the podcast, and I will probably put buy me a coffee links within the website itself. So there have been some momentous changes, but The reason I bring up this 11 years thing is because, in all honesty, I don't do this for anyone. I don't. I do not write what I write for any purpose other than just to express my opinion. Because if I don't express it, I will go nuts. And I never expected other people to pay attention to me. I never sought that attention. I never really wanted it. But... I have to say I am deeply humbled and gratified by the fact that so many people listen to me and value what I say. There is actually a real community now at Didactic Mind. It's not just the website, it's also the podcast, it's the uh, Telegram channel, which is a much more direct way of interacting with people. And it's just the general sense of community. I mean, there are readers on my site who have been with me for almost 11 years. I'm not joking about that. There are people like AK, you know, Kapios and a couple of others who have been there literally from day one. And they've been reading me ever since. And that is astonishing. Especially when you realize that most blogs don't stay up for longer than a couple of months before people lose interest and are unable to continue producing content. In my case, for whatever reason, I've been lucky enough, either with events or with time or management of uh, various things in my life, to have the luxury and the ability to sit down and write and to do so in a way that keeps me happy and interested and keeps other people involved and interested in what I write. So I want to say first and foremost, above all else, you know, before I get into anything else with respect to this podcast. Just a huge thank you to everybody who reads my work, everyone who listens in. I don't do this for anyone, but it is incredibly gratifying to know that my work has had an impact on your life. And I just want you to know through the various channels with which you've communicated with me, I am really just so grateful for your support 
and for the fact that you choose to read my writing and for the fact that you choose to participate in the community that I have established. It isn't a very large community. It's not necessarily the most dynamic community, but that's fine. We're all very much individualists in our own unique kind of niches in this community. But the cool thing is people get involved. They send in guest posts. They ask questions on my Telegram channel. They send me emails. Everybody seems to love the Monday and Friday posts. Uh, people really seem to appreciate some of the Sunday scripture posts. And people understand the mission of the site, which is literally to save lives. It, 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 and I'm not I'm not trying to be grandiose about that. It's just a fact that the reason why the War College exists, the Agogi exists, is to prepare men for what is coming and what has already arrived. And if I may, I will just share a brief story with you from longtime reader in front of the site, Dyer Badger. And he sent me an email. I think I've talked about this before. Uh, sometime last year in which he basically said, if it hadn't been for coming across my site and some of the motivation that he got to get back into working out and get back into kind of lifting and getting into shape, he may have been in a much worse position than he was when he suffered a, shall we say, cardiac event. Not related to the not-vax, it was just a cardiac event. And he recovered very quickly from that, but... He and his wife both took the time to write to me and express their gratitude. And again, you know, I, I don't do this for anybody else, but that is like, there's no better reward than that to know from my readership how much value they get out of what I do. So again, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you to the guest posters. The Male Brain is a good friend of mine. We've met in person. We get along very well. We don't agree on everything, uh, particularly with, with respect to the latest crisis in Israel with respect to Gaza. Uh, you know, he has his point of view, I have mine, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are good friends, and he is an integral part of the website. His contributions every Monday really give the, the posts a, a, a sense of weight and substance which they would not have otherwise. And, uh, you know, Randall E6, who's a very frequent commenter and uh, kind of requester of advice, he's a young guy uh, looking to make his mark in the world, MK, another young guy, uh, lots and lots of subscribers on the Telegram channel, and WB, a really dear friend of mine, he's heavily involved in kind of, like we speak on a you know, semi-regular basis, and he's genuinely a very good friend, a, a real brother in Christ. You know, these are people who have made a real mark on my life, a real impact. And my life is richer for them. So I just want to say how grateful I am again. Uh, with respect to the site statistics and, and kind of running through what has been achieved, or in this case, what has not been achieved, really. Uh, because let's be honest, I mean, this 2023 was a down year, a really down year for the site. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to disguise anything here. If you add up all the page views, it came to 153,000 odd views across uh, both the old Didax Reach website, which is still up on Blogger, and the current uh, Didactic Mind site. 
Now that is down a good 41% relative to what it was in 2022. And that is due to two major issues. One is much lower output from me. That's a fact. The frequency of posting went down from you know five, six posts a week to three, four, sometimes five, if we we're very lucky. But that's just due to the fact that I started up a full-time job and, and just I'm very busy. It's a very rewarding job. I really enjoy it, but it, it keeps me very, very busy during the week. And it's kind of an up, or up and down kind of gig where some weeks I'm super busy and I just have barely any time to, to, to write or post. Uh, and some weeks I'm sitting on the bench and like, it's like 10 a.m. and I've run out of internet. What do I do now? You know, it's that sort of gig. Uh, and I honestly, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. I, I genuinely like what I do. I won't go into details, but it keeps me intellectually stimulated and busy. And if we look at uh, the, the total number of visitors, it comes to, I think, 31.6 thousand visitors, which is down. Uh, if we look at the total number of visitors from last year, it was, or from, from uh, when was it? from 2022, it's down by quite a bit. It's also down by uh, about 27%, 27 27.5%. So as I said, the reason for this decline in traffic is twofold. Number one is because I posted less, of course. Number two is because some of the people who most frequently linked back to my website and were the most keen on sending page views my way, cut off ties with the website. And I only found out about this later. Brandon Sanderson, for example, was one of them. Um, Brad, yeah, I think it was Brandon Sanderson. Um, no, sorry, it wasn't him. Apologies. Uh, I apologize for that. It was Bradford Walker, um, who I think was an author of some note at, uh, at one point. And he, you know, delinked my website from his I think basically because um, I tend, I am a, I'm, you know, unabashedly pro-Russian in my views. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people who are at least somewhat pro-Ukrainian with respect to the Banderistan war find my opinions off-putting on the subject. Well, that's fine. I'm, you know, no bitterness, no, no resentment or anything like that against those people. That's their right. And I have respect for their point of view. I don't agree with it. I respect it. But, you know, let them think what they think and I'll think what I think. And you as the reader and the consumer of the information can decide for yourself whom you believe to be correct in terms of the analysis and the the commentary. That's up to you. And I respect you as the reader and the listener. By all means, if you think I'm getting something wrong, you need to tell me because I'm not perfect. I get things wrong all the time and I am here on a learning journey as well. If I'm getting stuff wrong, you know, let me know. Uh, Let me know what it is that I'm doing wrong and explain to me what I need to do better is uh, what I would say to you. So... If we look also at comments, it was 
about 439 comments in 2023 relative to 722 comments in 2022. And that was across a relatively lower posting base. It was a lot lower, in fact. And if you look at the Jetpack statistics, I think it was 255 posts in 2023 as opposed to 303 posts in 2022. So as you can see, a substantial decline, a massive decline in posting. And again, it just comes back to the fact that I was very, very busy. Turning to the podcast, it was a good year overall for the podcast. Not a great year, but a good year. Uh, there were 2.6 thousand downloads, which was down 26% relative to 2022. The podcast audience was primarily from the United States. About 70% of the audience was from there. Uh, the second biggest audience was from Canada, followed by the UK. But the podcast has a global reach as it happens. I mean, I'm seeing people downloading from Australia, New Zealand, Switzerland, Spain, Singapore, Cyprus, Poland, you know, all over the world. India, a few people are downloading from India of all places, which is a bit surprising. Um, but it's, it's really cool to see that people are getting value from my work and they're appreciating what I have to say. And, you know, the, the, the things that the, the one, the podcast that seem to do the, the best are inevitably the, you know, kind of die, ask didact anything days. Uh, the first two were big successes. The third one is kind of climbing up there in the, in the, in the, in the ranks. So, you know, these are, these are opportunities for you to ask me questions and for me to do kind of a freestyle commentary, uh, off the cuff, stream of consciousness type of stuff. I very much enjoy it. It's a lot of fun for me. And I think it's a great way to give back to the community. I typically, what I do is I'll just, uh, send out a message on my Telegram channel and say, uh, hey, if you've got questions for me, let me know. Uh, or I will post something on the site and say, well, and or we'll post something on the site and say, hey, you know, feel free to ask me whatever you want. And I think the, the other factor in the decline in traffic is just the fact that I did set up my Telegram channel in 2022 and maintained it very actively. I mean, I post, I, I stick like 150 to 200 posts a day on my Telegram channel. I'm constantly sending articles to my subscribers to read from all the various sites that I that I check out, from all the various things, bits of information that I read. My site, my Telegram channel is a news aggregator as well as a, a way for my community to talk to each other. If you're not already signed on to Telegram, do it now. Sign on to my channel, subscribe to my channel. It is, it has, you have to join it through a membership link and be part of that community because it is a lot of fun. I mean, we have some great voices over there. You know, Supreme Cannon, uh, MK, Kapios, um, Von Luck, DTL, some of these really cool guys who've been around for a while. Uh, some of them coming from very diverse backgrounds. We've got a couple of veterans on there. John C911 is from you know, Down Under, who's there. Karuru from New Zealand. I mean, all these really great people who just interact with me, interact with the posts. Sometimes they post more frequently, sometimes less. Supreme Cannon in particular is from Kanakistan and he's just hysterical. I mean, some of the stuff he says is just absolutely laugh out loud hilarious. And he's a quite a frequent poster. WB, my good friend, he's there, part of that channel. So, 
yeah, join the community, be part of it. I think I think you'll you'll get a lot out of it in the process. So try to sign on to Telegram if you have the opportunity, and be sure to participate in the community and get involved. Uh, now, as far as the actual site uh, performance goes, or writing goes, I think I mean, look, I I think it's fair to say it, it wasn't a great year in terms of writing. Uh, I definitely didn't have as much to say in 2023 as I have had in previous years, and that's with good reason. There's a reason why the posting for the War College went down. There's a reason why the emails to the subscriber list went away. There's a reason why it's been like over a year since I've sent out an, an email to my actual subscriber list that isn't a daily kind of site update in terms of articles and such. And it's just because there's very little motivation to write about things that matter outside of geopolitics. It's very difficult to find that because there is a, a real sense of, you know, things are spinning out of control. And there's only so much that you can say about men's rights, men's issues, the MGTOW movement, the red pill, uh, even today. There's only so much you can really write without starting to repeat yourself. And certainly I found myself in that position where I'm like, what more do I say? It's very difficult to find the motivation to, you know, kick my ass and write something. And that's a disappointment for me, certainly. Not trying to disguise it. Uh, the, the Agogi is not where I would have liked it to be had I maintained it properly and built on it and really tried to develop it into something good. I mean, if you look at the posts that I put on into the Agogi, you know, it's like there were three posts in all of 2023. Whereas if you look at 2022, I mean, there were what? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six posts. So you know, down by half. And why is that? I mean, the agogi, the, the point of the agogi was to act as a training school, a war college to enable men to see past the lies of this world and develop a very positive sense of masculinity. Well, it's not there yet. And that's my fault. I'm not going to disguise that or hide from that. A lot of it is just due to all the crazy stuff happening right now. So as a result, didactic mind has kind of moved into more of a uh, geopolitics and current affairs commentary site. And there's only so much of that you can do without becoming very depressed and unhappy because of the way the world has turned out. But it's important to understand something. The way things are moving right now is intentional. This is very much planned. All of it is happening for a reason. The powers that be are moving in this direction because this is how things are supposed to move in a time of flux and crisis as a frankly satanic empire crumbles and breaks under the weight of its own contradictions and something better comes along to replace it. There are always these titanic stresses happening in the background, which way down upon you spiritually as well as mentally and economically. This is deliberate. Make no mistake about that. All of this is a sense of spiritual attack 
and spiritual depression. And it's absolutely critically important to understand this is how the enemy operates. He's trying to get you to be depressed and he's trying to get you to be listless and passive and just take what's coming rather than clean yourself up, get yourself right with God and take a stand. Because when you see, when you, when you feel as though all the societies around you are breaking apart and crumbling, there's a very strong desire to just shell up and avoid conflict, avoid involvement of any kind and just stick to your, your own little patch of land. Uh, become, you know, retreat away from the world. And while that's not surprising and it's not a bad instinct, it's also contrary to the correct course of action, which is to pick up a sword and fight. You don't have to physically fight, but you have to choose a side. And the side of what is right, of righteousness, of God's will for us, is very clear. God loves the nations. He hates evil. He hates deception. He hates lies. And he honors those who honor him. He honors the sacrifices of those who give up things for him. He will honor your sacrifices if you choose to make a stand. He's going to beat the crap out of you first because he has to do that to get you into the kind of position and shape that he needs you to be to act as his vanguard on this earth. And it's going to be very, very unpleasant. I assure you, having been through that process myself, it's extremely unpleasant. But it has to happen. What you're seeing right now is, as the title of this podcast would suggest, the train of consequences of stupid decisions taken decades ago, and in some cases not that long ago, a few years ago, that have led the collective West to a, a culmination, a culminating point, in the words of Clausewitz, a point where economically, morally, spiritually, psychologically, the West is becoming exhausted and can no longer fight. But it isn't ready or able to admit defeat, not yet. It's still not capable of understanding the mistakes it has made and is still not capable of reflecting in upon itself and realizing what it needs to change. So these are the things which have occupied my mind for a long time this past year. And looking back, it's very easy to see that I let myself kind of get too involved in the daily grind of geopolitics. And again, that is partly due to the Telegram channel I set up. Don't get me wrong, I have no regrets about setting it up. It's an integral part of my life now. Uh, it's immensely good fun and very enjoyable to be able to kind of uh, do this stuff on a daily basis. I really enjoy being able to post stuff on Telegram, being able to share the bants, as it were, with the readership. But when you're constantly looking at how warped and twisted things have become, when you're constantly looking at war footage from the Banderistan front, and I've seen my fair share of very ugly things, when you're constantly looking at truly 
horrendous footage of what the Israelis are doing in Gaza. Not that I agree with the Palestinians, not that I support them. I don't. But I don't support the Israelis either. I don't like what they're doing. You know, it really drags you down. It weighs upon your soul. It beats you down. It it demoralizes you. It makes you kind of very unhappy in a lot of ways. And it sucks out your energy. So one of the things I'm going to tr- do this year is really make a conscious attempt to step back away from the Telegram stuff, away from the daily feeds. While I intend to post frequently on Telegram, it there will be times where I'll just walk away from my phone and say, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just going to read a book. Uh, or I'm going to, you know, write something. Or I'm just going to focus on doing what I need to do to refresh and recharge. And I think that's an important concept for all of us to grasp. The past two years, actually really more like the past four years, have been insane. And the insanity is getting worse. Started with COVID, moved on into more COVID, more lockdowns, more stupidity, more insanity, more nonsense. Moved into the the not-vax phase, where we now know everything they told us about the vaccines was a lie. Every single thing they told us was a lie. It is The vaccine mandates came, they seemed to be quite restrictive, quite punitive. And then when President Putin ordered the invasion of Ukraine and the special military operation, everything changed. I mean, overnight, Putin basically ended COVID, which is, for that alone, he deserves a Nobel Prize. But on top of that, then we saw just a gigantic mass brainwashing and misinformation campaign from the very top of, of the Western leadership all the way down through the media, through into everyday life, where if you in any way agreed with Putin on anything, if you in any way supported the Russians on anything, you were immediately branded a Putin apologist, a Russian bot, a Russian agent, a foreign you know saboteur, a, a spy, whatever. I mean... The thing is, I've been to Russia multiple times since the start of the SMO. I've seen what it's like there. People, if you listen to liberal YouTubers from Russia, they'll complain about how there's no freedom of speech anymore, not that there really was, and you can't criticize the government, and you can't say anything against Putin. And yet, they're sitting on a Western platform broadcasting from Russia, and YouTube is still allowed in Russia Instagram is banned, but WhatsApp is still allowed. Uh, Facebook is banned, but Telegram, VK, Adnoklasniki, and all the various Russian platforms are still fully running, fully operational. People can set up Telegram channels. They can share their opinions with their friends. They can speak as they want. They can gather in public. They can gather in private and talk about these things as and when they, they, they please. Where's the suppression? Where's the you know, the the censorship. Yes, it's there in the mass media. Yes, that's true. But Russians will tell you, well, we don't really pay attention to our, our, uh, our own mass media. We also don't really pay attention to what the Western mass media tell us because we know they're lying. So Russians will, if they pay attention to the war at all, if them, you know, unless it affects them personally, Russians will take a much more balanced view of things than Westerners will. It's, it's genuinely astonishing to me. Westerners with absolutely no stake in the Banderistan war have completely lost their damn minds. 
And that, as I said earlier, that affected my site as well, where people ran away from what I had to write because they just don't like the fact that I am pro-Russian. And I'm not pro-Russian because, you know, I, I am blind to Russia's faults or to the problems of the country or I think Putin is the greatest guy ever. He's made some mistakes. He's made some fairly serious mistakes, actually. But overall, I just find him to be a very competent, if overly cautious, overly legalistic, but extremely intelligent, highly articulate, very wise, very, very, very smart, and highly active leader. And it's not difficult for me to look at him and compare and contrast him with what you find in the West and come to the immediate conclusion, this guy outclasses everybody he's facing off against in the West. He may not be the smartest leader on the world stage. That would probably go to President Xi Jinping of China. Xi Jinping is, uh, I mean, Lee Kuan Yew of Singapore, the founding father of Singapore, once called him the smartest politician on the world stage today. And I see no reason to disagree with that sentiment. I think President Xi Jinping is astonishingly intelligent and highly, highly competent. He knows exactly what he wants, he listens to opinions, and he gets on with it. If you compare what you find in the Eurasian economies, not just Russia and China, but India, although I know a lot of particularly liberal Indians really hate Narendra Modi, I have no strong opinion on the man one way or another. I just don't care about Indian politics, you know, whatever. It's irrelevant to me. Um, but if you look at people like uh, Prime Minister Modi of India, uh, you look at, you know, who else? Uh, Viktor Orban of Hungary, Robert Fico of Slovakia, Recep Tayyip Erdogan of Turkey or Turkey. Uh, I'm not a big fan of, the, the, of, of Erdogan myself. I, I find him to be a double dealing snake in a lot of ways. I don't like what he, the, the way he the way he operates. But if you look at these people, if you look at Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia, uh, Crown Prince MBS, again, these are not these are not necessarily moral. Paragons. They're not. MBS is almost certainly the man who signed off on the murder and dismemberment of a journalist named Jamal Khashoggi back in the day. And that caused a huge furor, uh, massive diplomatic rupture with the United States and other Western countries. Uh, Saudi Arabia is, has a lot of problems, make no mistake. Uh, if you look at the other Gulf states, you know, the, the, the Arab states, uh, if you look at Iran and you look at the leadership of Iran and you look at the leadership of uh, some of these countries that are really leading edge powers in, in Eurasia, you get the impression these people are vastly more capable and more competent than anyone in the West. And that's, I think, a reasonable impression. The West is... Again, facing the consequences of decades of stupidity, malfeasance, unbelievable arrogance, and hyped up economic growth founded on really nothing. I talked about this before where I discussed uh, the, the madness of 
modern economics, where you have this philosophy, this, this idea that you can spur investment in the economy by cutting interest rates and keeping interest rates low and just pushing money into the system. The problem with that idea, as I've stated numerous times, is you literally derange the money supply. And in a podcast a couple of months ago, I talked about you know forgiveness of debt. And I explained why it is so important to forgive debt. Because when you put someone in debt, you literally own him. And he, he is a slave until the day that he pays off his debts. And when you do that to someone, you are literally translating the years of his life into uh, money. And so when your entire economic system is based around debt and it's based around monetary manipulation or derangement really of the money supply and therefore derangement of people's lives and their time that they put into producing goods and services rather than the actual active production of those goods themselves, you arrive at the situation we find ourselves in right now. And if you look at Andrei Martyanov's latest video, in which he talks about uh, basically the sentiments of a French soldier, where he, the, the soldier said, you know, uh, let Europe die, because they deserve it. I think that's how a lot of the world's leaders now feel about the West. They now feel as though they can do without the West, but the West can't do without them. And I think a lot of people are going to be looking in among the golden billion at a very scary future if they do not work to turn things around very, very quickly. Now, this is not... This is not the the sort of vote harder line. Uh, I don't. I, I have long since lost my faith in democracy. I don't believe in democratic systems uh, as a safeguard of freedom. It doesn't work. Uh, voting in a democratic system is essentially just a way of reshuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic, because. In any democratic system, you inevitably have a situation where the elites are able to manipulate that system to give themselves maximal power and influence. So, as a man, what can you do in 2024 and in future years to safeguard against some of these problems that we're going to observe? And they are going to be very, very severe. I mean, just to outline some of the problems that are likely to occur. Uh, keep in mind, Immigration, mass migration always results in war. Always. The largest migration in human history has occurred and is occurring now in the United States of America, where you have a situation of a country that is no longer really a country. It's, an, it's been occupied by a foreign elite. And the nation as a whole is now subsumed within an empire. And that empire is collapsing, rotting, corroding before our eyes. Uh, when you have mass migration into an empire, whether it's on the scale of the 300,000 Goths who crossed the Danube and settled in the uh, eastern reaches of what was at the time the Western Roman Empire, 
That culminated in the Battle of Adrianople in 378 AD, which resulted in the death of the Emperor Valens and something like, I think, 30,000 Roman soldiers, and paved the way for Alaric the Goth to invade uh, and sack Rome. And the result was that Rome went from a city at the height of its power under Marcus Aurelius and the good emperors of Rome, at the absolute height of its power, it had something like half a million people in it, which for an ancient city of that time was absolutely colossal. I mean, uh, just to put things into perspective, I mean, cities of that size at that time were the equivalent of like Moscow today. You know, it's, it's on that scale. So when you look at that, and you look at that city of half a million people, the, the legend has it that it reduced down to a city of five, of fewer than 5,000 people and wolves roamed, uh, the, the, the plaza in, in the center of Rome where the, you know, the, the forum where, uh, where the, the, the Senate and, and the assemblies of the city had once gathered. You know, the, the greatest seat of civilization and power in human history up to that point disappeared in the space of basically two generations. Because by, well, by the time of the fall of the Roman Empire, actually the capital of the Western Roman Empire was no longer Rome, it was Ravenna. And that fall, that collapse, was barely noticed by anybody. Because the last Roman emperor was himself of Gothic origin, and he stepped off the throne and gave his crown to... Uh, a former Roman legionary, like a former, actually not legionary, a former military officer in the Roman army who was himself a Goth and took over. So this gives you some idea of how things move, you know, when empires collapse. It's not always with a bang. Uh, some empires just go away and the decline is the really painful part. The actual fall is not quite so bad. It's just, it's, an unmarked event in history almost. So when, when the Roman Empire finally fell, quote-unquote, in 476 AD, it didn't really fall. It just changed hands, and that's it. And what was once Rome then just continued on into the Visigothic kingdoms. The real fall of that empire happened with the expansion of what we now know of as Islam in the 7th century. And we now have some understanding, thanks to many years of archaeological work, as to how that came about. Uh, that narrative is completely wrong. I mean, the, the standard narrative is completely wrong. I won't go into that in detail here, but the point is that the process of that collapse is the real nightmare. And we're observing uh, that collapse now. I mean, if you look at Germany, it is deindustrializing. It's not even a secret. Uh, the, the German economy is unraveling at the seams. And the uh, Alternative für Deutschland party uh, is actively stating openly that it, it will enact mass deportations. As ugly as that sounds, that is what has to happen. The pretend Germans who came over from Turkey and the Middle Eastern countries have to go back. I mean, there's just there's no other way about it. Um, there's, there's no way to stop that from happening, whether they want to or not. And that, that is the most humane and least violent way to go about it. I'm, I'm, you know, if, you, this, if this offends you, I'm sorry, not sorry, because that's the reality of things. Uh, 
when you have mass migration into a country, you inevitably have the results of a war. It's the same outcome as war. Um, that is not my opinion. That is the opinion of probably the foremost military historian alive today, uh, Israeli author Martin Van Creveld. And uh, he is, by the way, of the left. He is not of the right as I am. He will tell you in the books that he's written, uh, I seem to remember, which one was it? I forget exactly where, but it was in one of the books that he wrote, um, which I've read at some point. I think I've read it. But he actually explained actively why immigration equals war. He actually did the, the historical surveys and he looked at what had happened. In fact, let me go look it up right now um, on Amazon, inevitably, because that's where I found it. But um, if you look at the, the sort of books that he came up with and explained kind of where, uh, where the, the issues of, 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 of current, you know, current day, uh, what you might, what you might call state power come from. He essentially outlines this, uh, oh wait, no, sorry, it wasn't in, no, it wasn't in a book. My apologies. It was in an essay in, uh, one of the compilations that uh, Vox Day put together, I think. I, I remember reading this essay, and he was absolutely right. He'd done the historical survey, and he basically said, immigration is war. It's the same inevitable outcome. So that's one aspect of it. Another aspect is the, the continued degeneration of the culture. And all of this stems from the same place. I mean, keep in mind what I said earlier. It is Everything that happens in the physical is a reflection of the spiritual, always and every time. So what you're seeing today is a manifestation of a spiritual war in which great powers are reordering themselves in the spirit realm. And you're seeing that now where the traditional societies, the traditionally oriented societies, are remaking the world in their image. And the response from the democratic, free, so-called societies of the West is to denounce these as autocratic, tyrannical, authoritarian, regressive, uh, brutal dictatorships, etc., etc. Well, I happen to have lived in at least one of those so-called brutal dictatorships. I've actually lived in two of them, if you think about it. Uh, because I've lived in Singapore, which is a one-party state. Uh, let's, not, let's not kid ourselves about that. And I've lived in Russia, which is not a one-party state. It's actually a multi-party state, but it's a, a state unified under the headship of one man, Vladimir Putin. And he's been in charge. He's been the MFIC for very nearly 25 years. And he's, that's not going to change anytime soon. So, you know, I've lived in two of these countries where traditionalist values are upheld, where they don't have tolerance for nonsense, where uh, you are required effectively to toe the party line. And I will say this openly, you are more free in Russia today than you are in most of the West. You can actually express your opinion under your own name, under, you know, in public. You can criticize the government in Russia. You can actually criticize the government. This is a fact. You can state openly that you think the government is doing a bad job. And they're not going to come after you until and unless you start attacking the army. Uh, and then you get into real trouble. I mean, you can get into very serious trouble. Until and unless you start promoting LGBTQ, WTF is this shit nonsense in public. Then you get into real trouble. 
until you start breaking the law, such as you know stealing from people. If you, I mean, the the, the laws and regulations they've really clamped down hard on them. If you steal over two thousand rubles from somebody's bank account, like you find his debit card lying on the street and you pick it up and uh, you you withdraw money from it or you use it to pay for some stuff uh, in a in a grocery store. If it's over 2,000 rubles, which is, you know, what, $25, basically, uh, the police will come after you. They will fine you up to 100,000 rubles or put you in prison for six months. They will drag out the court case against you. Uh, don't ask me how I know this. I mean, there's, you know, some, some, I just, I happen to know this from my contacts in Russia. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, it's never affected me. Well, I, I've never been on the receiving end of Russian law and order myself. You know, they've always treated me very nicely because I, I don't cause trouble. I go there, I visit, I have a great time, I see everything, I stick to the law, and then I leave. Um, so the Russians never bother me. But if you break the law in Russia, they are very harsh with you. I mean, you know, th this is not a, a, um, a place where you can get away with nonsense nor should it be. Whereas in the West, they actually welcome lawbreakers. They welcome invaders. And they treat criminals with more status and more respect than they do ordinary citizens. In an environment like this, are people really surprised that law and order is breaking down? That respect for government institutions is an all-time low? That people don't want to join the military? They don't want to be part of the broader society? They're not interested in supporting this corrupt, broken, evil system. Why are people surprised? They shouldn't be. So what are we supposed to do as men to deal with this? Uh, what are we supposed to do to kind of hedge against some of these problems that we're seeing? Uh, how are we supposed to um, handle some of these issues that we're seeing? Well, counterintuitively, at least so it seems on the surface, the answer is to revert back to those things which are traditional, which are good, beautiful, and true. And that advice hasn't changed. I mean, the, the you know, I talked earlier about some of the, the failures, uh, and they are failures, of mine on the site to develop out the agogi and to make it a real kind of place of advice, a haven for men to come and understand uh, how to be good men, how to be good at being men. And that is my personal failure. It's my fault. But really part of the reason why I haven't developed it out is because the advice is so simple. It doesn't need me to, you know, put any extra mustard on it. Get right with God. Bend the knee. Accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Understand there's nothing you can do personally to fix yourself. Understand that God has a plan for you and that he's going to need to hammer out the impurities in you. And it's going to be a very unpleasant process. I assure you, if, you, if you've never been through it, nothing I tell you will prepare you for it. There is no way you can understand how bad it will get until you've experienced it. I promise you, uh, the moment you actually say yes, that you know you accept Jesus as uh, Lord and King, the, the risen, resurrected Christ as the basis, the foundation, the cornerstone for your faith. You know, the, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's what Jesus is. 
if you accept that cornerstone and you build your life on and around that cornerstone, I assure you the process of getting to that point where you're ready to build your life is going to be incredibly painful. There is a price to pay for this, so don't take it lightly. But once you do it, commit and be ready to say, this is, you know, I'm, this is, this is my chosen path. This is what I'm going to do. And then go back to what works, which is to say, God, family, and country. Your God is our God is our guiding light. Jesus is that guiding light. Your family is your place of refuge and your source of strength. So look to build one. If you're not interested in getting married, that's fine. That's up to you. A lot of men these days are completely discouraged from getting married or even dating at all. And I understand why. I, I get it. Right? I, I understand exactly where they're coming from. But if you can, find a good woman, marry her, pump her full of babies. You should have lots of fun doing it. And it is enjoyable. And there's a reason why it's enjoyable. Um, and it should be enjoyable. Uh, and make sure that you raise your children up to be godly and God-fearing young men and women. Divorce yourself from the, the wider ideology of the society you're in, in Western society. Just get rid of it. Uh, many of the sort of authoritarian societies I just mentioned, by the way, have very serious problems of their own. I mean, the Chinese, for example, they are virtuous pagans, but they're pagans nonetheless, which means they have serious issues with respect to certain understandings of the value of life, the value of women, the value of men, and the nature of and the relationship of the individual with the state. They don't get that stuff the way that a Christian mindset would. India has even more fundamental problems. I mean, it, like the, the, the problems with India are so numerous, it's ridiculous. Islam is, well, it's a death cult. It's a heretical death cult, which no one in his right mind should follow. Uh, you know, all of these nations which follow these broken versions of what you might call the truth, even Russia. I mean, the, the Orthodox Church has huge problems with its doctrine and its dogma, just as the Catholic Church does, just as, well, pretty much any mainline church denomination does. But understand that you can find the answers through sufficiency in Scripture. It's all there. I mean, it's right there in the book. Pick up a good Bible and start reading it. Beyond that, though, build up your skills in other areas. Look to build a home, build a garden, learn how to grow your own food if you can. Uh, try to make yourself as maximally independent as possible from the broader society. See, the thing you need to understand about what's happening right now in the broader society is they are driven to suppress you through fear of losing control. And they are losing control of the narrative, of the culture, of the economy, and of the people. And their answer to that is to double and triple and quadruple down, but it's not working. It can't work. So your answer to that, in turn, is to walk away from it and let them burn. Instead, focus on what you can do. You know, in my case, I don't live in a particularly big city. I don't live in the city center. I live outside near things where I can go outside and be around nature because that's where I find comfort and solace. I really enjoy just going for a walk along the riverside and seeing the birds and walking in the greenery in the parks nearby. 
that for me is where I draw my inspiration and my strength. I don't need to be around big cities and tall buildings. I don't want to be around lots of people. And it's a good thing not to be around lots of people. So build your own community, your own tribe through your family. And remember what it is to be part of a nation. It means those five factors that I keep talking about. Shared blood, shared language, shared faith, shared culture, and shared history. Those five things have to be there in greater or lesser degrees, but all five have to be there for a nation to survive. When you find your nation, then you will have found your home. And when you have found your home, you should not allow yourself to be moved away from it. Don't take these things to be abstract kind of noodlings or ruminations. These are practical things you can do. Move away from the cities, reduce your expenses down as much as you can, focus on what actually matters, not on the nice shiny things. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd love to have a new Xbox and a nice new TV. You know, my stuff is years and decades old. I mean, my TV, you know, it's what, 12 years old by now. Um, I'll need to get a new one soon. But my, my Xbox One is, uh, oh, I don't know, six something years old, something like that. No, it's older than that even, because uh, I think I got it. <laughs> so it's about, it's, it's about nine years old, because I got it to play uh, Halo 5 back in the day. So yeah, this it gives you some indication of like how old, how long it can hold on to things. Uh, my, my, my phone is almost four years old. My tablet is years old. Yeah, things, things like that. So you can do without the new shiny stuff. You don't need it. Focus on what's important. Focus on building communities. And I want to end on that note, on building communities. Because as, as the empires fall apart around us, and as the train of consequences comes off the rails, the thing to understand is the community around you is what will help you survive. There's a very, 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 very good reason why the ultimate, well, the, the second commandment in the Bible, as according to his hugeness himself, is love thy neighbor as you love thyself. Remember what the two, the, the, the greatest commandment is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. And the second commandment is you shall love thy neighbor as yourself, right? Why is that? Because these are the foundations of a working society, a society that puts God as the head of the society itself, as the ruler, as the king. And any earthly authority receives and derives power only from the Lord God himself. And your neighbors who, with whom you have affinity and closeness, with whom you share bonds of common interest and common goals, uh, common blood, heritage, culture, language, tradition, history, etc. These are the people that you need to look after because they will look after you. So build your life on these principles. Walk away from the nice fancy stuff and focus on what actually matters. And that is how you will get through the, the times of tribulation that are coming. 2024 is going to be a rough year. I mean, it already started out badly. I think it's just going to get worse from here. So prepare accordingly and be ready as much as you can be for what is coming. 
with that in mind, I'm going to sign off. It's been, a, uh, you know, it's nice to get back to podcasting and I hope to uh, resume some of this in a more regular basis uh, with various domain query and other didactic mind podcasts. But for now, I'll sign off. I thank you all again, once again, for listening. Thank you for 11 years of attention uh, of, well, not attention, but uh, of patronage. Uh, let me put it that way. Of uh, of care, of you know your questions and your comments and your presence. Thank you for helping me build out the community that I have. Thank thank some of you for becoming friends. I mean, real good friends in real life. I've met or talked with some of you in person. It has been an absolute privilege and honor to do so, and I'm very very profoundly grateful for that that fact. And thank you for your support. And uh, here's to another year of, um, of work as the didact. So with that, I will leave you. Uh, this has been Didactic Mind, episode 116, Train of Consequences. Strength and Honor Brothers, didact out. <laughs>